Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ask Judd about the T-shirt he bought yesterday, Ken. Mm, what do you got, Judd? Uh, it's an Eagles Conference Championship T-shirt freshly made because I ran out of clothes. <laughs> what a troll. It was not a troll. a troll. It's a new shirt. You. I know it's new. It's the cheap. only shirt I'm sure that they were There was were a rack full of these shirts. Heck yeah. of a deal. Yeah. All right. Whatever. What a troll. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? I don't know what the future holds, so um, you know, still dealing, you know, the 24-hour rule with yesterday, so still um, dealing with that. So you know, just gonna take it one day at a time. I really haven't thought too much about it. Um, you know, I love this team. I love these guys. I love the coaching staff. Um, you know, I, I love this whole organization. I mean, the Wolves are awesome, man. I mean. The day I signed, I get a call from from the owner, you know, welcoming to the team, and they don't have to do that. That's 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 really cool. That's out of my control. Um, you know, I I did what I could this year, and you know, hopefully made enough kicks to where they they want me back. Um, so I I definitely want to be back. You here. know what? After seeing the outfit Kai Forbath was wearing, happened on the team plane for uh, this weekend's matchup. I don't. Did want you him like back. that? I don't know if I want him did, back. Did you like that? What look? was that all about? I have no clue. Black loafers, no socks, like a like a Fonzie leather jacket, and a button-up white collared shirt all the way up to the top with no how tie. Did, I, I don't know, man. How did you Zim can't trust not, a kicker who overprojects like that. How did Zim not tell him, Kai, go home, change, and go commercial? You're, you're going commercial, <laughs> you're, Kai. You're not coming with us looking like that. Can you imagine... If you did fly commercial wearing that and you have to, like, shuffle your way back to row 29 and sit in one of the middle seats, like, hop over, and <laughs> hop then over try, some family. And then you, you try to explain to your seatmate that you're a National Football League player. <laughs> yeah, I play in the NFL. No, you don't. There's no way. You might be a musician. You don't play in the National Football League. Yeah. So uh, have you assimilated yourself to Philadelphia culture yet? This is now day four of Judd Zolgad in Philadelphia. How does this happen two times in one person's life. I mean, I don't travel that much. I travel, but not that much. 2010 and now, and I have been stuck in the same city because of snowstorms, one that was expected here and didn't hit, and one that hit at home. How do you get trapped in Philadelphia twice in one lifetime? Uh, It's a simple question. It's amazing. So what were the circumstances again in 2010? So the Vikings had played the Eagles already, right? No, no. The Vikings, uh, I believe we arrived here on what is either Christmas night or the day after Christmas or something, and it was going to be a Sunday night game, and we got here on Saturday. Well, on Saturday, they were calling for a huge storm to hit, and so they just absolutely freaked out and canceled everything, and they finally said... 
because of travel, we're going to cancel the football game. Oh, and, that's and right. They canceled the, and they canceled the game. And the next morning, we woke up to the huge snowstorm. I believe we ended up at the airport with seven inches of snow. Yeah. Now, now, here was the problem. Earlier, a few weeks before that, the uh, dome had collapsed, and a Vikings game had been moved to Detroit on a Monday night. ESPN said, we are not taking another competing Monday night game. If you're going to play another night game, you're playing on Tuesday, and that's why they didn't play it on Monday, and we had to stay here until Wednesday morning. That and, time. and they played it, didn't they play it on Fox? Uh, yes, I believe they did. But but that was the point, because the uh, Giants-Vikings game in Detroit was also on Fox, yeah. and, and it competed at least regionally uh, in a couple of markets with the uh, with the ESPN game. And so ESPN basically said, we are not going to take another side-by-side Monday night game, and they forced them to move it to Tuesday night. And so that game was played on a Tuesday night when there was no winter storm here. Well, I want you to know, uh, first of all, it's, it was no joke. You, you weren't stranded in Philadelphia for like a false alarm. This was apparently, according to the snow measurements at the airport, the largest one-day snowfall since the dome roof collapsed in 2010. And your guy, you don't think I'm a puck guy. I braved the conditions. I didn't even have four-wheel drive in the car I was driving last night. I braved the conditions to make it to the X to hang out with our listeners in a suite right next to Craig Leopold's suite. He's got his crumpled up uh, program just slapping (laughs) against the chair, living and dying by every possession. Uh, so you every shift, I should say. I should speak like a puck guy if I'm going to yeah, talk about yeah. hockey. It's a shift. So it's a I am now christened as a puck guy after last night. Bravo. I am very impressed. I, I saw that, that uh, snowfall, and I thought to myself, no one's going. I saw the story. So did, did I see that uh, Ennis and Dumba got a police escort from Edina, and somehow Tyler rear-ended Dumba's car? There did was, you see that? I didn't see the exact details. I did yes. see that wild players, as of like an hour before the game, were still trying to make it to the X. But it was, so I've been driving since 2001. This was top three easily most white-knuckle driving. I, I felt like Indiana Jones in The Last Crusade, where he's trying to dodge all these obstacles and dodge death to get to the end of, of the movie. Like, that mm-hmm. was me driving through uh, northeast Minneapolis on my way to 36 down to Dale just dodging cars stuck in the ditch. It was terrible. The wife called uh, and said that she was stuck in the tunnel on 94 for two hours and was stuck on 94 for three hours total. Oh, my God. Like sitting in the tunnel? Like sitting, like sitting in the tunnel, and it didn't move. There, there was an accident getting onto the uh, 394 there, and she said she was sitting in the tunnel for two hours and that she was stuck on 94 for a total of three hours just basically sitting there. So the X was about half full or half empty, depending on your life outlook. Mm -hmm. And I would say say 70 to 80% uh, traffic and weather, but a large chunk, I think, just depressed Vikings fans saying, I don't want to go to a sporting event. I'm I'm sorry. I'm going to sit home and and, uh, eat my feelings and drink away the night. (laughs) That was my read on it. Where did yesterday rank at home as far as a sports depression, do you think? Wow. Um, like just total malaise. I think, well, that's a good question for the next two weeks, too. I I think people are just less excited about the Super Bowl being here. It just feels, it, like this should be a once in a generation celebrated event. Yeah. And you brought up the point, we were swapping emails last night. I think... I think we'd be more excited for this game if the Vikings had gone 3-13 and 13 and had missed the playoffs altogether. 
Then at least you could have said, all right, well, we wrote the season off in October, and all right, we got the Super Bowl coming to town to, you know, to put a jolt in our football interest. I don't think people want to think about Eagles versus Patriots and two obnoxious fan bases coming to town. So, yeah, it just it feels like an anticlimactic buzzkill now. And, and I mean, yeah, with, with the way that that game ended on Sunday, and now you know Philadelphia fans are coming. Yeah, it feels... It feels like really we got to do this now, and yes. and and by the way, we got to see all of hey, these hey, joyous, Judd, happy people. Hold that thought. Let's go to Winter Park. Mike Zimmer's season-ending press conference, and we can react to it afterwards. All right. Um, got it. You know, winning the division, thirteen-three, uh, winning a playoff game. Unfortunately, we, uh, you know, we didn't reach the ultimate goal. Uh, but uh, I'm still proud of how this team uh, went about their business this year and the things that they were able to accomplish. Uh, the uh, the fortitude that they had going going uh, throughout the course of the season and uh, and really about their the chemistry that they had uh, um, in the locker room and uh, so it's, it's disappointing to lose uh, but we're going to try to figure out every possible way how we can improve so that we uh, move forward next year so questions. Um, you know, I think, uh, I knew we had a nucleus of defensive guys that had played pretty well in the past, uh, you know, and you never really know how the season's going to unfold. I mean, you, you know, you obviously have high expectations going into the season, but, um, you know, I've had teams that I thought were going to be really good and they, they didn't play good together. But, uh, you know, this team is a pretty special group of defensive guys that have played together for quite a while now. And so... Um, but we, you know, there's some things we got to get better at. Um, you know, I have to do a better job in some areas as far as, uh, you know, maybe sticking to some things too much. You know, because we're successful. So we're gonna. One of the things uh, plan to do is go through. First of all, we're gonna self scout. You know, see see the things we're good at and plays that hurt us. And then we're gonna look at, um, you know, how we can try to take this thing to another level. Self-scouting. What are, are there any specific areas you're taking even further after already achieving number one status? Well, yeah, uh, you know, uh, yeah, there is. Um, I, I don't want to get too specific with it, but there's some things that I, I really want to look at in this offseason. Some other teams I want to study that have done a good job. Um, you know, I want to go back and, and evaluate uh, a lot of our um, rush situations to see if we can improve in, in some of those areas. Um, you know, go back and see why we were good on third downs and, and then kind of see where, I st you know, the, our job as coaches is to always try, number one, put the players in the best position possibly can to win. And number two, to try to continually get better figure out new ways to do things. And I think that's how you come up with new concepts, new ideas, new uh, new ways to attack offenses. What are your plans regarding offensive coordinator at going to the Giants? Uh, I'm in the process now of working through that. Is there a certain time you'd like to have a name by? Yeah, as soon as possible. But, you know, I'm going to take my time and make sure that we, we, we get the right thing. What are the chances of going in-house with a guy like Stefanski to see a candidate? Well, I think we have a lot of good offensive coaches, So, uh, but we're going to work through the process and see where it all goes. Mike 
philosophically? Would you like to keep somebody, um, or I mean, do you tend to lean that way, keep somebody in-house because of the, some of the success that the offense had, or do you embrace new ideas from the outside? Well, I always embrace new ideas, but to me it's, the, it's number one, uh, with his coaching staff, and, and I, I think they did an incredible job, not just the offense, the defense, special teams, a whole bit, um, but they, they had a great chemistry. And so I, to me, that's going to be very important is what kind of chemistry that we have with the other coaches, um, the communication between with all the other coaches, and then uh, the next thing is to try to get the best guy. How unique of a situation does this now present, having gone as far you know, to get to the NFC Championship and still all these question marks at quarterback? Uh, I guess it's unique, uh, but you know it's part of the process in the NFL. You just uh, you know you work through it and you go about your business. And you know, I remember my first year here. Um, when I got here, we had like three names that were potential starters on the defensive board. You know, so I mean that's why you have the draft and free agency and and all those things. So we'll work through all the all that process. And um, you know, I'm really not prepared to comment on it after we got back at 3 a.m. 3 yesterday. So we're just going to work through it, always do, and go from there. Has uh, Case Keenum earned the right to be the starting quarterback next year if you can resign him? I, I, I think I just said that we're going to work through the We're going to evaluate um, every contract, whether it can toll or not toll. Do, do you have some clarity on that? All right, we've got some we've got some audio difficulties here, but uh, Mike Zimmer's press conference at Winter Park. Judd Zolgad is out in Philadelphia here. Mackie and Joe. We don't usually start the show with press conferences, but we figured let's tune in and uh, and see what Zimmer's up to. Uh, his answer on that Case Keenum question is basically a non-committal at this point. He's sort of sure. he, he's sort of dodging all questions about the coordinator and they're searching. Ben McAdoo's name came up. And uh, and and he's going to dodge questions about the quarterback because up until about December, Judd, Teddy Bridgewater was the guy that he wanted to start and finish the season. Yeah, and I mean, there, there's a good chance that uh, Case uh, hits the market in March, Phil, and, you know, the Cardinals come along and say, here's three years and guaranteed cash, and the Vikings say, see ya. So it, it is very intriguing, though, that he brought up the fact that when he got here, Think about this. He just said we had three names on our defensive boards of potential starters. Yeah, that's that's and that's four years ago. I mean, that's yes. that's yeah, so amazing. He's, so he's basically saying I took the job and Rick gave me nothing defensively. Yeah, let's try again here. Let's see if the audio difficulties are cleared up. Mike Zimmer's press conference season ender here. Why? Yeah, well, I think he's doing good now. I mean, I the, you know, he's at the point where he can play. The, you know, it's you just have to work through the figuring out. You know, where's he at in that? Because we, obviously, we didn't get him get him get to see him through through games. How about with Sam, do you have any um, sense that he is past the the knee issues or? Well, I talked to him yesterday. I think he is. Um, and we had some, you know, conversations between me and him. But, uh, uh, you know, he feels like he is. So we'll just have to see how he continues to improve. You talked on Sunday a little bit about the Eagles attack, some of your strengths. I guess if you look at the South Scott on the defense, some of the things that they did kind of inform where you need to improve. 
Well, yeah, I mean, not only them, but anybody that, uh, that uh, you know, that had success against us in the past. Uh, you know, I think one of the things I meant was, you know, we've been great on third downs and, and they got after us on third downs, so we need to figure out, okay, well, why were they and how can we do this? And, you know, and sometimes, you know, that's why I said some of the, I could have made some better calls. You know, sometimes when you're sticking with things and it's been successful for you, you know, you continue to do it, and maybe I did it a little bit too long. So, um. All right, Mike. That's Vikings.com, courtesy of Vikings.com, the Mike Zimmer season-ending press conference. And, it's, fle- uh, it's fleeting, Phil. You know what it is? It's very fleeting. It's, uh, it's going in and out a lot like the Vikings defense did on Sunday against Philadelphia. Actually, it was just out. It was I was going to say, out. that defense was out for the entire game, basically. Yeah, so, all right, there's not a whole lot more meat on that bone. He's not going to be super open about the offensive coordinator opening. Pat Shermer's the official coach now with the Giants. A uh, couple interesting things there. We can recap. Matthew Collar is out there in Philadelphia with you mm-hmm. as you guys are stranded because of the the worst one-day blizzard since the dome collapsed in 2010 here. Of course, like that's how it works. You suffer a devastating, hey. heart-wrenching loss and then get dumped on in true Minnesota fashion the next hey, day. Hey, Phil, Phil, the greatest day in Vikings organizational history was that day. The day the dome came down, because that was when they said we either have to have a new stadium or we're going to move. It is actually so yeah, they so they celebrated. So after one of the worst days in in the franchise history on Sunday, they celebrated one of the greatest anniversaries by saying this reminds us of when that damn dome finally collapsed. Yes. Yeah, so let's recap Mike Zimmer's comments about the quarterbacks. We'll get Matthew Collar back in at the top of the hour. I've got some. Bad news for the Vikings going forward unless they do something aggressive or drastic this offseason, which they can. But first, you know, the Super Bowl is coming to town here in uh, less than two weeks. And the Super Bowl experience driven by Genesis at the Minneapolis Convention Center is the place to be if you're a football fan. Saturday, January 27th, all the way through Saturday, February 3rd. So a full week. We're talking about huge, big-time events for fans. This is the absolute hub of fan activity in Minneapolis for Super Bowl 52. Interactive games where you can test your football skills. Live game action using virtual reality technology. Get a photo with the most prestigious trophy in sports, the Vince Lombardi Trophy. You can watch youth football clinics. We're talking daily player autograph sessions. Tickets are available on Ticketmaster. Just $35 for adults. $25 for kids. Get them now. Again, tickets are sold for specific times and dates. So get your preferred time slot by purchasing today. It's the Super Bowl experience driven by Genesis. Don't miss this event if you're a football fan. Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd are back. Back. On 1500 ESPN. I really haven't thought too much about it. Um, You know, I love this team. I love these guys. I love the coaching staff. Um, you know, I, I love this whole organization. I mean, the Wolves are awesome, man. I mean, the day I signed, I get a call from from the owner, you know, welcoming to the team, and they don't have to do that. That's 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 really cool. So we just gave you some of Mike Zimmer's season-ending press conference, and not a ton of meat on that bone. Judd Zolgad and Matthew Collar are still stuck in Philadelphia, just waiting for weather to clear. They had all four runways closed at one point yesterday. Most snowfall in a one-day period, 24-hour period, according to the airport, the MSP airport, mm-hmm. since the dome roof collapsed in 2010. So it was white-knuckle driving all over the Twin Cities. It's ridiculous. Uh, Mike Zimmer, let's start with this one. 
Because there's all kinds of quarterback stuff, and we're going to get to that. And Collar has a great piece on 1500ESPN.com about Case Keenum, and we'll get into all that before the top of the hour. But he said when he took the job, the Vikings roster only had three or maybe four, I think he said three, defensive starters on it when they did the evaluation. And that was the 32nd-ranked defense in the NFL when Leslie Frazier got fired in points allowed per game. He, so he basically goes from three defensive starters when he took over four years later. I know they got waxed defensively against the Eagles, but in the regular season, number one in points, number one in red zone, number one in yardage. So that's a, that's a pretty amazing personnel and coaching turnaround. Think about that, though. Three guys, So he basically gets here, watches tape, looks at the depth chart, and says, Rick, you're giving me three starters. And if you go back to that defense in that first year with Zim, if, if you recall, Phil, it was awful. I mean, those were the defensive secondaries where they just would get picked apart continually. But if you want to look at the at the progress that this uh, organization has made in the past four years or so, and you look at that, that to me is a really intriguing starting point to uh, to how low on talent this team was in about 2014. Yeah, for sure. Is uh, is is just programming note? Is Kyler hanging out with you, or is he still right listening here. to the press conference? Because nope, I, right I want to ask about Bradford, and because he he. Zimmer sort of hedged with his comments. We all agree when Bradford's healthy the last couple of years, he's been really good. I mean, that game against the the Saints in week one, 350 and three touchdowns, and, and he's throwing darts all over the field. But he's only played in half of the possible games the last five years. It sounds like, of course, Sam Bradford's going to say this. Like, why would he say anything else? He told Mike Zimmer, hey, I'm past the knee issues. I'm good to go. Uh, they activated him. They felt confident enough to make him a backup. But, you know, how much can you trust a Sam Bradford, even if you like him when he's healthy, to be available for more than about three weeks at a time? Yeah, I think that uh, it wouldn't be a bad idea to bring back Sam Bradford if you had him with somebody else as potentially your backup or competing in camp. But you just know that there's very likely to be another team that's going to say, okay, we trust you. We believe in your knee. Come back. And it, it might be okay. It might not. I mean, when he came off those two surgeries, he had two straight seasons where he barely missed any time and was very good. And then this year it fell apart again. So I think you can't trust him. But at the same time, he had a 101.1 quarterback rating as a Minnesota Viking, which is that's some pretty, good, yeah. yeah, that's pretty darn good. I mean, even if you talk about the short passes and things like that, his deep ball accuracy was fantastic. And just watching him in training camp, we came out of camp thinking this guy could have an amazing year with all the weapons that were put around him and finally an offensive line. And for him, like, everyone's frustrated with the Vikings. No one should be more frustrated than Sam Bradford because this guy was in line for a great season and a massive payday, and it all fell apart with just tweaking his left knee or right knee. Left knee? I think right it's knee? his right knee, isn't right knee. it? Right knee. I think it's yeah. right knee. Yeah. Something okay. like that. Yeah. But it's his knee. It's his knee. One of the knees. It's an important appendage my, for sure. My, my question is this, though. Uh, th- that knee has been surgically repaired. I think he's torn the ACL, basically torn the back-to-back years, and it's been surgically repaired twice now, and it gave out again. And I understand that, that they went and cleaned things up. 
Uh, but is that now something that's going to be fine, or are we talking about a chronic problem? Because at his age, that's what would concern me. See, how do you even, like, all these questions we're asking, we get to sit here, and, well, I was going to say in a studio, you guys in a hotel conference room in Philadelphia, but, like, we get to sit here. We're and, maroon, Phil. And you are. And uh, I heard, you know, I heard we're going to get dumped on another two feet today, so you might just stay in Philadelphia for uh, for the week. But we get to... We get to have our opinions, and we get to we get to deliver our thoughts, and then we sit back with really no ramifications if we are wrong long term. The Vikings have a window to win a Super Bowl that's not even guaranteed in 2018, but we think it's open for like the next couple years if they get the quarterback position right. And so there's so much at stake for Rick Spielman and for Mike Zimmer. If they whiff, like if they say, all right, Case Keenum, you're the guy. We trust you. We're going to franchise you or we're going to we're going to give you a two or three year contract if you're wrong or if it's Bridgewater and you're wrong. If you're wrong, you've blown a Super Bowl window and then eventually you're going to have to reset the roster again and maybe fire a coach again. Yeah, that's why I feel like this offseason will determine how we end up looking at the Mike Zimmer era, whether we see this as years and years of success or whether it ends up being, well, hey, remember that one time Zimmer got them to 13-3 and and then they fell right back to being a mediocre team for the next three or four years and then he was fired and then we go through that thing. But if you nail the quarterback situation or if you take the risk on Teddy Bridgewater and he turns out to be as good as Mike Zimmer believes he can be, then you might be talking about a team that's perpetually good because I do believe that they can sustain a good defense. I don't believe anyone can sustain a number one defense for more than two or three years, but they should still bring back all the talent that they had from this year and and be good. So if you can get the right person here and get good performance out of the quarterback, then you should be right there next year, maybe not 13-3, and but still a very good team. And I I wouldn't be surprised if Mike Zimmer wants both Teddy Bridgewater and Sam Bradford back, if that was his wish list. I don't know how realistic that is, but I wonder if that would be his wish list to bring both of those guys to camp and then make a decision on who the starter was. Here's my question. Who, if it's Teddy, I, I get that that would, would probably be an organizational decision made by people who have watched him in practice for the past few months, and they said, okay, he was our first-round pick, and, and he's set to go. That one I get, but my question is this. If it's not Teddy, who makes this decision? Is this a Zimmer-Spielman decision? Is this a Rick Trump's Mike and tells Mike, hey, here's what I think that we should do? That, to me, is the most interesting question because – are we looking at somebody who is enthralled with what Case did and says, man, I got a great deal on Case, and he came in, and Case seems like an eminently likable guy. He seems like a guy that his teammates like. So do you uh, default or go back to Case because you like him and, and you say, I think what we saw this year was for real? I really would like to know if it's not uh, going to be Teddy, who is going to ultimately make the decision on – I. You know, if they go out and sign somebody, if they re-sign a guy, if they trade for a guy, and obviously, like they have to hire a coordinator who factors in here too. Yes. You know, if they, if they, and Mike Zimmer spoke on that. He didn't really tip his hand at all. We saw the Ben McAdoo reports come out the last couple of days, and and uh, and somebody asked about the quarterbacks coach Topanski. But I, I think. Rick Rick Spielman has to make the ultimate decision because you're talking about a lot of money involved, whether it's Case Keenum or if you were to go out and sign a Kirk Cousins. So, but money plus fit plus coordinator uh, plus Zimmer and just chemistry, all of those things. This is to to Collar's point. 
This is one of the most important forks in the road in Vikings history. As as the tension of 57 years and no championships mounts, and you know you're one of the best teams in the NFC. Like this is this is a crucial two to three month period. You can't get this decision wrong. Well, when it comes to making the decision, I think if they want either Sam Bradford or Teddy Bridgewater to come back, and you know the Bradford scenario is realistic because he and Zimmer really grew in their relationship over the offseason. Both of them talked about that quite a bit, and I thought it was noticeable from last year to this year just how much on a on the same page they were as compared to Sam Bradford showing up and just having to try and do the job. But having that whole offseason together, I, I thought Zimmer uh, really ended up liking Sam Bradford quite a bit. Uh, so if it's either one of those two guys and the front office is saying, all right, you know, we're thinking about bringing one or, or both of them back, then... You know, then Zimmer is heavily, heavily involved in that decision. But if you're going outside, then I don't think he is so much because then you're talking about the economics of it. Then you're talking about the salary cap and can you afford Kirk Cousins long term? How much would you have to trade for Alex Smith is is a good question. He's only got one year left on his deal, so it's not like you're trading for a long term quarterback. Would that have to be a first round pick? Would that be a second round pick because you know they're trying to get rid of him? And I mean, would the I think for a team like the Vikings, if you're trading away the 30th overall pick, like that's not that bad to give away the 30th overall pick basically to get a starting quarterback yeah. for a year because, yeah, it's basically a second, and also it's the most important position, and the guy just led the NFL in quarterback rating from last year. You also, I believe you only have five draft picks this year. Rick Spielman loves to have ten draft picks. He loves to, to package and deal. You have a first, a second, a third. You traded your fourth for Sam Bradford a year and a half ago. You traded your seventh for uh, for uh, Tremaine Brock, who played on special teams. So you have a first, a third, a first, second, third, a fifth, and a sixth. And so let's say you trade a third for an Alex Smith. Now you, have, I mean, now you're really in all-in mode because you can't even really reload your roster with a bunch of draft picks. Let's come back. Collar and Judd are hanging out in Philadelphia. Collar wrote a great piece for 1500ESPN.com. Let's dive into a how great was Case Keenum's season. B, how repeatable is it going forward? Mackie and Judd, TCL TV is the official broadcast partner of, uh, of, of 1500 ESPN and the Touch Em All podcast. We're in the TCL broadcast studios, and there is nothing like watching sports on one of these bad boys. We watch all the Vikings games in here, Superstar Mike Morris, uh, the whole crew that hangs out on Sundays on this 55-inch, beautiful 4K Roku TV. You get the built-in Roku device, which gets you connectivity to 4,000-plus streaming platforms and channels, and also 450,000-plus movies and TV episodes. It's it's a whole new world of entertainment, and there's a reason why all kinds of big brands, all kinds of big-time publications are raving about TCL TVs. You might be thinking, you know what? Until recently, I haven't heard much of T- TCL TVs, America's fastest-growing TV brand, and one of the three largest TV companies in the world now. Stop into any major local retailer in the Twin Cities and test drive one, so to speak, for yourself, or go to TCLUSA.com. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. From that day on, we was always together. Mackey and Judd. Like peas and carrots. On 1500 ESPN. I don't know the future So, um, you know, still dealing, you know, the 24-hour rule with yesterday. So, still um, dealing with that. So, you know, just going to take it one day at a time. Judd and Collar marooned in hey, Philadelphia. Phil, can I say something quickly here? You may. Teddy Bridgewater. 
The 24-hour rule applies to in-season when you lose <laughs> or win a game. When you get, and I understand you didn't play, but when you get your shorts blown off in Philadelphia to officially bring an end to your season, the 24-hour rule doesn't apply. Well, I mean, I think it could, be, could, could he rephrase and say what, if, if we had the, uh, the, the press conference translator, it would be, hey, I really don't feel like talking about this right now with you guys. And <laughs> yes. quite, quite frankly, if the Vikings don't want to pay me as a starter, I'll look elsewhere. <laughs> yes, that okay, that is the correct translation. But the 24-hour rule for all players, it doesn't apply when your shorts get blown off and your season is done. No. Is it, is it the hardest thing to decide with all these guys, by the way? You mentioned paying him to be a starter. Like How much you have to pay plays such a huge thing into this like into how this decision is going to work out because i'm not even certain how much people are going to be willing to pay case keenum i had heard a couple weeks ago that there were teams hot on his trail but after watching him in the playoffs that might have cooled well here here's a i actually have the quarterback it's sometimes it's hard to gauge but i'm, I'm going average annual value for quarterbacks now, like bonuses and sometimes the cap number is different than what they make so i'm going to go According to, uh, is it pronounced Spotrack? Spotrack.com? Spotrack, I think. Spotrack. So Matthew Stafford, average annual value, makes $27 million. There are about 15 guys, 14 or 15 guys, who make $17 million or more. And then you have Mike Glennon kind of holding up that middle class. Mike Glennon and Tyrod Taylor make $15 million. So to me, the bidding on a multi-year deal, the bidding probably starts there for Case Keenum, which is you're you're paying twenty million dollars for your quarterbacks right now. If you take Bradford seventeen, Case Keenum a couple million, Teddy Bridgewater like a million dollars. But Matt Ryan makes twenty, Tom Brady makes twenty, Tannehill makes nineteen, and then there's like Rivers at twenty-one, and Eli and Ben and Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers. Now you're getting into the Hall of Fame-ish category. So that's. Like, if you're Case Keenum's agent, that's the area you're going to look first. If you franchise him, it's going to be like $23 million. Well, what complicates it a lot in the NFL is just the guaranteed money. So, you know, you might see uh, on that website or whatever, you know, oh, they, they this guy makes this, this guy makes that. But, you know, your Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers deal is going to include a lot more guaranteed money than the other guys. So they can always cut bait or, or redo the deal or whatever. You know, I, I think coincidentally, the player that sets the market on Case Keenum might be Sam Bradford. You know, when he signs that three-year contract, was it? Yeah, three-year contract with the Eagles, and it was sixty million, and a lot of it was guaranteed. I think that might be where someone would be willing to go with Case Keenum. That I don't think anyone is signing up for five years, one hundred and twenty-five million. But if you were talking about a shorter-term deal with a lot of guaranteed cash, I could see him ending up in Minnesota or in some place like Arizona that needs a quarterback. Or if the New York Giants decide to trade Eli Manning, and then. You know, they, Pat Shermer wants his guy. That's kind of where I think that Case Keenum will end up because he hasn't had multiple seasons of playing this good that would prove that he's one of those $125 million quarterbacks, but he's done enough to get a pretty decent average annual salary. Yeah. So you, you have a big piece on 1500ESPN.com, Matthew Collar, and, and there's all kinds of Purple Podcast episodes that people can catch up on too. Uh, Two-part question. How good, as you go back and reflect on his season, how good was Case Keenum's season, including playoffs, because it's part of the body of work, and how sustainable is it going forward in your mind? 
I mean, it was good. It was a good season. The one thing that will throw off some of the numbers a little bit is the last three games that were essentially preseason games for the Vikings against Cincinnati, Green Bay, and Chicago. Three teams totally out of it, one playing without Aaron Rodgers, lots of injuries on those sides, questions about their coaches. He had a 109 quarterback rating in those three games, and he went from in those three games, the 17th-ranked quarterback by pro football focus to the ninth because he shredded these bad teams at the end of the season. That's not to say he didn't beat some good teams along the way, yeah. but I think that I think those pumped up the numbers a little bit right at the end. And then when you include the playoffs, him being the second-lowest-rated quarterback, you end up with the guy had a, a, a good season, and in a lot of stats he put up very good numbers. And, and, and if you were sure that he was going to be able to do that again – you would say, okay, well, at least we know what we've got here and we know we can win a bunch of games if we have good defense and these playmakers. But I'm not certain that you can because there are a lot of numbers that point toward regression, and one of those is like his numbers against the Blitz. He had incredibly good quarterback rating against the Blitz. That's likely to slip back because he'd never done that ever before anywhere. Same thing with under pressure. He made a lot of great plays that we saw under pressure, but then as it went on into the playoffs, we saw both New Orleans and Philadelphia cause mistakes from him from the pressure. So it's not some sort of magical gift that he has. It's probably that it was working out for a hot stretch. So I, I think there's a very good chance that even if he is a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL. The numbers that he put up this year are unlikely to be repeated next year. I think that the conversation that's going to be had at Winter Park is this. If we all sit down, and I'm Spielman, and and I ask you guys, our team is built around defense, and I know that. So that's our calling card. That That's our, that's our clear-cut strength, despite what we saw on Sunday. But, gentlemen, do you believe that after what we saw this past year that Keenum can be the starting quarterback on a team that we have aspirations not to be good but to win a Super Bowl? What do you think? So, all right, my my thought on this is is pretty crystallized over the last 48 hours. You let, Let's assume a two-year window here. It, and by the way, if you go back and look historically, and, there's, and we can go more into this later in the show, but their schedule is going to be brutal next year. Tom Brady's on your schedule. You're playing at Philly. Drew Brees, if he goes back to the Saints. So even if you're as good, and Collar alluded to this earlier, you might drop to 10-6 and six or 8-8 eight and eight just because your schedule is going to be ridiculous on paper. If you are serious about cashing in in this window, you can't take a chance un- unless you explore and exhaust all other options and then come back to Case Keenum because, well, Brees is going to go back to New Orleans and, uh, you know, Cousins is going back to Washington. There's just like, you got to have someone, and there's and there aren't that many other options. You have to exhaust the better options if you're serious about winning a Super Bowl. You have to. Well, and, and that's the, the really tough thing is uh, to get your head around here is you're going to need even better quarterback play, more likely than not next year, to win as opposed to what you needed this year. What you needed this year to be a really competitive team was just good enough because the defense was getting you the ball constantly. I would be very surprised. I think they'll be good. I'd be very surprised if they're the number one defense again because they were so healthy this year. If you if you are being truthful with yourself, the answer uh, to the question that I posed is no. The answer to the question is no. Look at how many quarterbacks who have popped up at Keenum's age continue it. I mean, the Cunningham 
in 98 to 99 transition is a perfect example. What you can't, as, as an executive or a coach, what you can't get hung up on is this guy had a special season and I like him. Okay? If Keenum is a special teamer, that's fine then. He, hey, he came on and he had a nice year and I like him so I will keep him. But this is the most important position probably in all of sports. And I think the truthful answer to the question is, is this a quarterback who can take me with a good defense to a Super Bowl and win that game? The answer is no. Uh, 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. How much do you trust Case Keenum as this quarterback, this team starting quarterback? And not just like in a vacuum, Do you like him? Do you think he had a good year? And do you think he can perform pretty well? Can he win you a Super Bowl in this window going forward? Chansey, what's going on? You're on the Mackie and Judd Show. Collar and Judd in Philadelphia. Yep. Uh, I'll answer your question uh, here, Phil. I trust him enough that after Breeze and Cousins are exhausted, I want them to give Keenum the franchise tag. And I'll tell you guys why here. Uh, You know, those two, I think, are upgrades and you'd be stupid not to investigate them. But, man, it has been all season long with Caller on here nitpicking at Keenum's game. And I'm going to, if you give me a second here, I'll give you some examples right now. Yesterday on the radio show, he said, hey, the Vikings get down, and can Keenum bring us back? You knew the game was kind of over. Some of the names we're talking about here is alternatives. So in that game against the Eagles, we're expecting that Alex Smith would have brought him back, that Teddy Bridgewater was going to bring him back. Um, okay, I can help you on those two. Alex Smith, let me, look, let Alex me, Smith let me. led the NFL in quarterback rating this year, for one. He was one of the best deep passers in the entire league. Also, Teddy Bridgewater, 2014 to 2015, was one of the highest-rated quarterbacks when his team was down by one score. Okay, continue. I will say this. Against the same Eagles team in Philly, Matt Ryan, do we agree he's, a, he's one of the top ten quarterbacks? How many points did the uh, Falcons put up against the Eagles in uh, Philly? Ten? How many touchdowns did Matt Ryan throw? One? I mean, so should the Falcons be looking for a new quarterback? Because obviously Matt Ryan couldn't get it done. Okay, but right? hold on. Let me come in there. Matt Ryan, but here's another thing, too, we have to factor in. Matt Ryan has a, an eight- or nine-year track record of being a borderline top-ten quarterback at worst and an MVP at his best. So he has a body of work that says, you know what, if if – if he looks questionable against Philadelphia, if you still put the right pieces around Matt Ryan, you're going to have a 28-3 to lead in the Super Bowl at some point. I mean, the other thing would... is, too, that Matt Ryan led a game-winning drive through a game-winning pass and had it go through the hands of Julio Jones. That's true. Did, Julio he, Jones he, dropped that ball, correct. He was, And also, he had one of the greatest quarterback seasons in the history but, of the league hey, just last year. I mean, we, we are not talking about two things hey guys, that are anywhere near comparable. Chancey, the, mo- the most important question, though, is not what Keenum did. It's do you believe at 29, having been a career backup, he has now turned a corner to be a full-time starting quarterback who is going to replicate success continually, or is he going to go back to, to the guy who played for the Texans and Rams? That's the most important question. 2017 is done now. What you have to do as an executive is make a decision on who he is, and that's going to be a vitally important decision. Let me, let me throw another thing at you guys. Caller just said, right, he thinks that Keenum ran up his quarterback rating, let's say, the last three games of the year against poor teams. I get it. So should the uh, Vikings defense take those stats off the books, too? You know that number one defense we had that ran up their stats against those same poor teams? We should remove those, too, right, from consideration because 
hey, they were just running him up against the uh, Bears and the Bengals and the Packers without uh, Aaron Rodgers. Listen, All year long, they, there would be there would be times, right? I, I hear it on the radio. Keenum throws a seven-yard out pass to Thielen, and he breaks loose for a 60-yard touchdown. Somebody goes, well, he really didn't throw a 60-yard touchdown, right? He threw a seven-yard uh, out pass. Well, that's because he was one of the, the tops in the league at doing that, though. I mean, every quarterback has those plays, but if you know, look across the league, he was getting more help from his running backs and receivers on shorter passes than almost anyone in the NFL. And that's the question. Are you going to still be able to do that next year? I, I mean, if you have one of these receivers hurt, how did he play without Stephon Diggs in the middle of the year? He was very poor when Stephon Diggs didn't play. So, I mean... That you're asking yourself, is everything going to go exactly right, especially when you don't have the offensive coordinator that you had before? And not only that, but some of the numbers that would scream regression, like how he played under pressure and against the Blitz, where he had never done that before, and most of the league doesn't do as well as he did. Do you really think he's going to be able to continue to do all that? And even if he has the same season next year, is that good enough? I think in the playoffs we saw that it wasn't. And to your point about the defense, you, I, yes, the answer is yes. When you beat the crap out of those three teams and moved up from the number five defense to the number one defense, yes, you pumped up your stats at the end of the year. You were probably more like the fifth best defense and not as much like the number one defense. Okay, we have to, Chancey, you bring up a lot of great points, and we thank you for the phone call. Uh, you know, Keep chiming in, and, and we'll keep the phone lines open, 651 651- Four six eight two five five eight seven seven six one five fifteen hundred. I mean, really, we can keep this conversation going. You have to decide as a franchise with other really interesting options available, and you have no contractual obligations to anyone right now. You can win a Super Bowl still if you get the quarterback position right going into next year. Is Case Keenum the hill you want to die on, Mackie and Judd? Mackie and Judd show rolls on. Now's the time to whip it out. On 1500 ESPN. 1500 ESPN and Sprint want to send you to the ESPN campus in Bristol. You and a guest will receive round-trip airfare to Bristol to get an exclusive tour of ESPN. Sit in during a live taping of Golik and Wingo. Live taping, live show, I guess. Meet Golik and Wingo and more. Stop into participating Minnesota Sprint stores between now and February 9th to enter to win a trip that money cannot buy. More details at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword Sprint. I mean, they do record it technically, right? I mean, it's live, but they are. It's, it's just live show. Right. Yeah. We should probably change that copy. That'd be a good idea. Mackie and Judd. Judd and Matthew Collar still stuck in Philadelphia, still getting snowballs with batteries thrown at them and full cans. Do the re- does Not the receptionist me. at the hotel just like wind up with a full can of Yingling and throw it right at your head if you're wearing any kind of purple? She's been very nice. Oh, she's like our pal now. We had a sports conversation yesterday. Wow. She's a Penguin and Steeler fan. She hates these people, too. Wow, you guys can bond. That's yes, awesome. She can't stand them. Let's take another call here. Uh, you know, Basically, the Vikings have to decide. Is Case Keenum the quarterback they want to strap their Super Bowl window to? Uh, 651-646-8255. Dan, you're on the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I just wanted to say that uh, I apologize if this is redundant. I kind of just turned on the program, but... Uh, I definitely think we can win with Keenum, and I think too often people neglect the fact that this is a hard salary cap league. So uh, I think I think some thoughts are not mutually exclusive, and that obviously there are better quarterbacks than Keenum. And if there weren't a hard salary cap and we just had a pick of the litter, it was like a video game. Of course, there are better options 
may be out there, but for what we're going to be able to get. And I mean, I honestly, I think we'd probably have to pay guys like Alex Smith and Kirk Cousins similar money, if not more. And I definitely don't think they're worth that much money. I'm not even sure Keenum is worth 20 million a year if that's what he's going to get. But all I know is uh, I don't blame him for Sunday. I think the offensive line, I was telling all my friends before the game, the week leading up, I, as much as this line improved from last year, that's not saying much because the bar was set really low, and I, I still don't trust that offensive line to go on the road in big games against good D-line. And the defensive backfield looked like Waswa Sarwango was still playing for us. So uh, I don't think we should pin that on Keenum and say that it was, you know, oh, we need a quarterback that can win that game. I mean, there, I don't think there's too many quarterbacks that are rallying us from that hole that our defense and offensive line put us in. So, and I've been a Vikings fan for 25 years, and I think maybe four of those years we've had good quarterback play. So I think it would be kind of arrogant as Vikings fans <laughs> now to act as though we can summarily do better than Case Keenum. Just, you know, like he's just some scrap heap revert back Dan, to back Dan, quarterback status. But yep. Dan, Dan, that's the problem. You can't think, you can't, if you think that, that you have a chance to win a title here, let's say in the next two or three years. You can't think to yourself, well, I think he's good enough, and, and he certainly seemed to be this year, so let's sign this guy. You need to think of this in two ways. One is, is he a quarterback that could take you to the playoffs and help you win those games? And two, most importantly, I mean, this, this to me is the most important question. Do you believe what you saw in 2017 to be him now? or Because what you have to decide is there is a long resume – from Keenum, that he was a career backup before. Did he hit this year the perfect storm? That's the decision. And if you settle, if you settle now, that can cost you for a long time. And yeah. there's an example that's not too uh, far in the distance of this happening with the New York Jets and Ryan Fitzpatrick, where he had a 10 and six season. He threw 31 touchdowns, had a career year at an older age, but he wasn't he wasn't much different in age than Case Keenum is right now. A guy who had been proven to not be that good every time he had gotten opportunities and then had this great year. Brandon Marshall bailed him out on contested catches like crazy. Right. And then. I remember that he was upset that the Jets weren't offering him as much money as uh, he wanted, but the Jets were really wary about him falling off. They bring him back the next year, and then he does. And and you could find examples both ways, but that's the, the one that I think is the most comparable because they have a lot in common. Not the strongest arm, not the most accurate guy who's a risk taker, which sometimes pays off and sometimes doesn't. And when the Jets had the really good supporting cast, he was very good. But then once that supporting cast slipped, he wasn't. I think you could absolutely still be competitive next year with Case Keenum. But I'm looking through everything in the Super Bowl lens. And, that, and, and to answer the question about the salary cap, it is a hard salary cap, but the Vikings are the Tom Brady of handling the salary. Rob Brzezinski's fantastic. They are yes. a- amazing. So don't worry too much about that. And with Alex Smith, he's a free agent after next year. So if you brought him here, he's got a $20 million cap hit. That's totally fine. You could let him walk if it doesn't work out. The only thing you'd ask yourself is, do we have to trade draft picks? But at this point, your roster is so stacked, you could trade those draft picks and just go all in and try to win right here. That's Matthew Collar. He's in Philadelphia. Uh, Judd and uh, Matthew are just still stuck in Philadelphia two days later because of weather. But let's come back here. I've got some motivation for the Vikings to take the quarterback position very seriously, whether it's Case Keenum or somebody else. 
they are doomed if they don't make an aggressive move this offseason. History says so. 